The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. If you've been following our research and content that we're producing at Cognolytica and that we've talked about on the AI Today podcast, then you know that we spend a considerable amount of time going over various use cases and how different industries are using AI and cognitive technologies. And we think it's important to share this because, you know, many organizations want to implement AI technologies, but they're not quite sure where to start. Yeah, and we've seen hundreds, you know, maybe even thousands of AI implementations. And despite the variation and all the different ways in which people are applying AI to different kinds of systems and different kinds of applications, we find that all of these tend to fall into seven discrete patterns that are either implemented individually or in conjunction to achieve an AI project. And so we've written about this, and we have a podcastable link to that talks about these seven patterns at a high level. But for those of you that haven't yet listened to that podcast, the seven patterns of AI in no particular order are hyper-personalization, autonomous systems, predictive analytics and decision support, conversational slash human interaction, patterns and anomalies, recognition, and goal-driven systems. And as Ron mentioned, any AI project or implementation can have one or more of these seven patterns as part of their solution. Each pattern requires its own machine learning and cognitive process, but they can be combined together for a project. So we wanted to spend some time today on this podcast doing a deep dive into the conversational and human interaction pattern. Right. So as we mentioned, you know, one of the common repeated patterns that we see is that people are trying to get machines and computers to basically understand the language of humans, right? Right. <laughs> we don't, when humans talk to each other, we don't talk in computer language, we talk in human language. But of course, the thing about human language is that it's not particularly precise. And, you know, we have everything from understanding what the person is saying in terms of the words, but also connecting it to understand their meaning. Mm-hmm. So this pattern encompasses a variety of things that have to do with understanding the machine, understanding what the humans are communicating, and then providing a way for the machine to communicate back to the human in the way that humans would like to be communicated. Right. So this can be machine to human, human to machine, or back and forth human and machine interactions. And the objective of this pattern is machines interacting with humans the way that humans interact with each other. So some use cases, you know, and examples are chatbots, voice assistants, content generation, sentiment, mood, or intent analysis, and machine translation. Right. And each one of these things, like, why would you do this? Remember, always try to remember the reason why we're doing a pattern. And also, the other thing that differentiates one pattern from another is basically the reason. Mm -hmm. Even though fundamentally, if you look at it, it's all just machine learning, and it's all applications of machine learning and looking at the data. But the reason why we're doing this pattern is because typing or swiping or clicking does not give us any sort of advantage in this situation. Maybe because people can ask any question. Maybe things like FAQs and knowledge bases are just not that useful. Mm -hmm. So just giving people a way to interact with the system, like as if you would like walk up to a window or a teller or a customer service desk, they don't go, please press one to talk to me. No, they're like, what would you like, right? And then you initiate a conversation. That's what we want from our systems as well. And so that involves a lot of things. It's actually that pattern encompasses a lot of things because there's a lot of things that people do when we're interacting with each other. 
you know, a lot of this idea of conversation is embodied in this idea of natural language processing. So maybe we should talk a little bit about that. Even though the conversational pattern is not only natural language processing, this is a real big part of what the conversational pattern is. So natural language processing has been around for a while, and it's about humans communicating with each other. So natural language processing, or NLP, consists of two major subparts. There's natural language understanding and natural language generation. So natural language understanding is about giving the machines the ability to understand what people are saying in voice and text form. So that's understanding. The natural language generation is about giving machines the ability to generate and create text, audio, and images for human consumption. Now, you might think that text-to-speech, which is basically typed text, generated speech, which means you can hear it, so the computer is generating the speech. You might think that's natural language generation, but it's actually... like We hope you're enjoying this podcast and sorry for the brief interruption. Cognolytica not only produces the AI podcast that you're listening to right now, but we also generate research and advisory to help companies make sense of AI and cognitive technologies. We also run the most authoritative vendor-neutral AI and machine learning training and certification on the market. If you're looking to make AI a reality for your organization, our three-day Cognolytica training is for you. If you're interested in attending, you can find pricing and registration on our website at Cognolytica.com. We'll also provide a link in the show notes. We've met many of our podcast listeners in our classes, and we hope that we'll see you there as well. Now back to the podcast. But that's actually like a very small part. That's just generating the audio waveform to convert. When I type in the word cat, the computer is saying cat. That's important. (laughs) We've had NLG. Oh my gosh, for a really long time. Well, we've had text to speech for a very long time. You watch the movie War Games. I mean, they have the machine. Like, would you like? Well, I'm laughing because I'm thinking about when I was like in elementary, middle school, and I had a very old, you know, computer, and that was something that you could start to do. And I'm like, we would do that. We would have it type, you know, funny things, and then Mm -hmm. the computer would say it, and it had a very computer. Computer voice. Very. <laughs> but it's actually really, that doesn't really count as much because that's not even really machine learning. Because no. you can sort of pre record these like little audio snippets and you can kind of stitch them together. I mean, if you typed like K A P L U T, the computer will say, okay, caplut or whatever. You know, I just made up, I just put strings of letters together. It's not doing it. There's no reasoning. There's no learning. It's just going to do it exactly. It's going to stitch those things together. So clearly, even for NLG, we need to step beyond text to speech and saying, okay, well, communicate this idea. Hey, computer, tell me when my next appointment is. And it needs to come up with the words and the order of the words and the meaning of those words to generate things that are meaningful. That's why text to speech is not NLG. NLG is broader than text to speech Mm -hmm. because it brings in the learning of how do you construct a sentence or how do you construct something that's meaningful and then, of course, utter that in a way that can understand. And the same thing we have with speech to text is not the same thing as natural language understanding, right? So with speech to text, it's like, well, it's one thing to basically say these words and then the computer tried to generate text to say, okay, well, it sounds like you said cat. This is like the audio version of OCR, optical character recognition, where it's like, okay, if you scan a document, it's going to try to say, okay, well, that looks like the letter P and that looks like the letter O, or maybe that's a zero. It's hard to tell, but whatever, I'm just going to convert. Basically, it's just the very basic thing of converting something that's not digital into a digital format. That's what speech-to-text is doing. It's just converting audio waveform into text. But it's not actually understanding the word at all. It doesn't know that when you said cat and it wrote cat, it didn't know that's what you meant cat, right? right? So more advanced forms of natural language understanding where machine learning is coming into play is with sentiment analysis, where it's understanding right. the mood of the words that were written, summarization. Mm-hmm. 
that can be another one, or semantic parsing, mm-hmm. paraphrasing. These are more advanced forms of NLU. Exactly. So let's talk about the ways that we use this technology in patterns, because it's like, okay, it's one thing to have this conversational pattern, but there's actually a bunch of different ways we can use it. Well, of course, we have two big things that come to mind, and Kathleen's already mentioned them, this idea of the chatbot and these conversational interfaces. So maybe we can explain that a little bit. Sure. So the idea of the chatbot has actually been around for quite some time. The first real conversational chatbot was Eliza that was built in 1966. So the idea of chatbots have been around for a while, and they've evolved over time and gotten better. And this is text or voice. So you can either, you know, type what you want to say and it will type back, or you can speak and it will speak back to you. Mm-hmm. And so this is the idea of conversational computing. Sometimes, you know, we don't really like right. to swipe or click. And so we like to talk. Use cases for this where people have put this into practice is with customer support and engagement and also assistant enabled commerce. We're seeing that more and more. Right. And so this is the idea of applying this conversational mode when typing or swiping or clicking just doesn't work as well. So, of course, the next thing is you could take this thing and kick it up a level and we could talk about the voice assistant. Mm -hmm. So voice assistants are basically the (laughs) chatbot embodied in a device that you can talk to. And the reason why we call them voice assistants rather than smart speakers is because speakers is like one way. It's like it's talking to you. You don't speak to a speaker. Speaker's not a listener, just a speaker. So we don't like that term. We've actually think we've talked about this a number of times in our podcast. We've definitely written about it. So we like to call them voice assistants because you want these things to do things for you, but you want to interact with them via voice. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of examples. Of course, we have Amazon Alexa. We have Google Home. We have Microsoft Cortana, we have Apple Siri, we have Samsung Bixby, Baidu's got something. There's lots of those. And they're becoming more and more widely adopted Mm -hmm. for a bunch of different uh, applications. Yep, they're starting to actually be more useful. You can do assistant-enabled commerce. With that, you can get help with various things. We actually have a benchmark that Mm -hmm. will be published fairly soon with an update to our benchmark from last summer as well that goes through a variety of different Mm -hmm. questions and types of questions. It's not a ranking, but it shows kind of where we are with the evolution of voice assistant. Yeah. And so we see a bunch of places in which we're seeing both chatbots being applied as well as voice assistants. I mean, we see chatbots, of course, being used in customer service. Kathleen mentioned conversational commerce. We're seeing them used for financial advisors and Mm -hmm. and first line of interaction for customer support and for even for educational assistants, being a personal tutor, you know, being embedded in games. Mm -hmm. This idea of the conversational interface is really becoming very, very popular. Yeah. And we're seeing the voice assistant being used in interesting ways as well in healthcare and other interesting Yeah, with medical assistance, we've seen that personal assistance as well. Mm-hmm. So there's a variety of things there. Those are fairly obvious. Now, one additional thing that's in this pattern of conversational and human interaction is the idea of sentiment and mood intent analysis. Now, you might think that's like a pattern matching thing. So mm-hmm. if you've been tracking our research, you might think, okay, well, find the happy things and find the not so happy <laughs> things and find the clusters where there's mm-hmm. the same, which is ex- basically it's how it's doing it. But the thing is sentiment, mood, and intent is a human thing. I mean, what is sentiment? Happiness. Computer doesn't care happy, not happy. (laughs) And basically expressing your happiness or dissatisfaction you do in words. You're saying, 
I'm not happy. That's a very obvious one. But like, you know, if you say like words like that's terrible or like that's awful or I hate it. Okay. The system needs to understand that those words generally, not always, but generally fall in the not so good category. Right. Whereas this is awesome. Love it. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Falls in the happy category. So we think that sentiment, mood, and intent analysis is actually a part of the conversational pattern because it's still about trying to get machines to understand the language of humans, right? Right. So that's why it's, you know, within conversational and human interaction, because it's how the customer feels about that Mm -hmm. rather than the patterns. Right. Because it's also sentiment analysis allows companies to do things like analyze customer feedback to discover trending topics Mm -hmm. or identify top complaints that people have and then track that over time. And it can also allow them to get just a more complete picture with the voice of the customer. So that's why we put it in conversational. Yeah. So another idea that's sort of in this category of conversational and human interaction pattern is that machines are able to summarize content. So you can give it written content, obviously documents, Mm -hmm. which were written for human consumption, not for machine consumption, or audio content, and it will generate a summary of that because it knows how to, well, through a variety of patterns and through machine learning, it knows how to extract the parts of the document that are useful from like all the filler words, like it needs to like, now those additional words, they're not really providing content, mm-hmm. but it's saying, oh, this must be a document about a contract. This contract looks like it's about this customer. And by the way, here's some more information about that, right? Right. Yeah. It can extract key information, keywords, key information from this, and it can digest thousands of documents and summarize them. So this could be press releases, financial documents, health records. And it's really what it's doing is it's able to take this unstructured data and this unstructured content and summarize it for humans, which is where the machine learning comes in, because you can't really code your way to that. You know, how do you have it coded processing emails and things, you know, (laughs) like you don't know what's in the email. And this also helps with voicemails, for example, or images, anything that's unstructured. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing some really interesting applications. There are some companies that are only set up to listen to voicemails. So the world's like, you know, this call may be recorded for quality assurance purposes, Mm -hmm. but they don't always use that. Or maybe they use it to spot check to see how their call service reps are doing. But what if you could actually use that and mine all of that recorded information for value? Be like, okay, let's go have our system go through all the voicemails and find every mention of a company or every mention of a product. Maybe they're calling it, maybe there's some pattern here, like people are calling in about some product that they're dissatisfied with. or Yeah, maybe that, uh, you know, a new batch shipped out and people are really unhappy with that particular batch. Instead of having another human go through and process all of this, which just honestly, you can't scale, like you just can't do. You can have machines go in and do that. And then fairly quickly, and spot trends. Yeah. They're good at that. So I think probably people are going to see that there's this huge asset in this voice and and unstructured data and take Mm -hmm. more use of it. And like on the flip side, you can also have these systems generate content. So it could take both like numerical or quantitative data and create a story out of it or create, instead of having a dashboard with a chart on it, you could send an email saying, looks like sales are going the wrong way. You know, you're about to run out of this product within the next two days. You could see that in the quantitative data, Mm -hmm. but sometimes humans like that. It's not just text information. We could generate content of all sorts, right? Right. Images, audio, video, Mm -hmm. in addition to text. But if we're generating text, 
you know, we have seen this for a few years now, and it's getting quite remarkable with what it can do. So AI systems can generate breaking news content so that it can fill gaps while human reporters aren't quite able to make it to the scene. You know, they can say, hey, breaking news, we'll have more information later. And that's being used a lot for news of all different types. Reuters, for example, is using AI to check Twitter feeds and find breaking news before it becomes headlines. And the Washington Post has a bot called Heliograph who writes a number of articles for the Washington Post. And in 2017, it wrote 850 articles. Mm-hmm. It's also used, yeah, which is, yeah, you know, pretty impressive because it's able to write those articles that reporters just, maybe it's low value to mm-hmm. them and they need to get it out. But, you know, it can be kind of formulaic and you don't really need a human to be there writing it. So it can save a lot of man hours doing this to free reporters up to do actual reporting. For sports, it's used as well, especially games that reporters can't get to. It was used in the Rio Olympics Mm -hmm. in 2016 as well, because it was able to just go to a lot of those games that, you know, the qualifying matches and stuff like that. Yeah. That aren't either super popular or, you know, there's so many going on at once that you just don't have enough reporters to get to all of them at the same time. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, and there's lots of things like this, lots of business applications for this, and also generating images. As a matter of fact, we talk a lot about mm-hmm. things like GANs, where you can create mm-hmm. images that don't exist. And you might think, oh, wait a second, how is creating an image part of the conversational and human interaction pattern? Remember, this is machines communicating with humans the way that humans communicate with each other. Images are not for computer consumption. Computers don't care what's in the image. They don't care if the cat's jumping on the dog. It doesn't care, right? So any sort of summarization of what's happening in an image or generation of that is really for human consumption. This person does not exist, which is actually a real website, which creates sort of artificial images of people, realistic, but not real, as they say, images. That's for humans. (laughs) So we consider that to actually be part of the conversation and human interaction pattern. Mm -hmm. It's not part of recognition or patterns or predictive analytics or hyper-personalization, automation, goal-driven systems. It's not part of any of those, right? Okay, great. And then we've also seen AI-generated movie trailers Mm -hmm. and also highlight reels from sports games and then with generating audio as well. So a few very famous examples now was Google Duplex, where where it created a realistic sounding, I'm going to say air quotes, person on the other end. And then also AI-generated music. We had a podcast with Taryn Southern, Mm -hmm. and she created an album with AI. Right. So music is human. Yeah. Yeah, machines don't (laughs) don't listen to music. So I think the last little bit that's part of our conversational and human interaction pattern is machine translation. And if you think about what machine translation is, it's the idea that you can speak in one language, right? And the other person will communicate with you in a different language, right? Mm -hmm. It might be written, somebody might have written something in a language, you know, 20 years ago, and later you're translating it, or it might be live, like I'm actually physically talking to you and I have a machine in the middle that's basically trying to understand what you're saying and then generate that back in another language that the other person understands. So machine translation is very complicated Mm -hmm. because it's really easy to get translation wrong. And and people (laughs) pick this up really easily, right? There's lots of funny examples of this, right? Yeah, and that's why. So this is a difficult problem for machines, but it's a difficult problem for humans too. That's true, that's true. So we have seen this and machine translation is important because it provides access to information written in a different language that I don't speak that now I can have access to. I can also communicate with people who may not speak the same language as me. It helps 
companies as well because they can increase their marketing reach Mm -hmm. if they want to get into new markets, but they don't have people who speak that local dialect or that language. They're trying to get into different countries. They can use it for that. And then it also can help with providing material and content analysis in different languages. Yep. And so there's a funny example because machine translation was one of the first things that was tried in the first wave of AI back in the 1950s and 60s because it was the idea like, oh, well, if we can get the machine to understand what somebody's trying to say, then we can have it translated. Of course, there's that example where this, I guess, some intelligence community, artificial intelligence program was trying to understand Russian language communiques and it, and it basically, you know, translated something from Russian that was supposed to be, well, what, what is that, Kathleen? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's the, what it would, would be in English, but actually what it translated it from in Russian was... Is the vodka is strong, but the meat is rancid. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, well, if you knew both... You could understand where it was coming from, but it's yeah. so completely it wrong. It was a very tr- literal translation of spirit to vodka. To vodka, yeah. A very literal translation of flesh to meat, which is, <laughs> which is not incorrect. And weak to rancid. It, yeah. it really it lost the spirit of the right, sentence. because it didn't understand the context of mm-hmm. it. You know, there's some interesting development going on here. I mean, Facebook has done some interesting work here mm-hmm. on what's called unsupervised machine translation. We may provide a link to that if you're interested in looking it up. Because this issue of the context matters so much that just because you use one word in one context gives it a completely different meaning in another context so that when you translate it, it may even be different words, right? So it's a cool, interesting idea where they realize that the shape of the relationship between words was basically the same in different languages, even if different words were being used. So mm-hmm. very interesting and very cool. So that's basically just a quick overview of this pattern. It gives you some ideas of the kinds of applications of AI that you would use and hints, because when you know that you're doing a particular pattern, it kind of looks a little bit of a shortcut. You know, once you're like, oh, I'm doing a conversational pattern, already suggests to you the various things like technologies you can use, platforms you can use, data that you might need, the approach you're going to take with it, and of course, the different usage patterns and ROI that you're going to see from that pattern. Right. And so, you know, like Ron said, it's just important to understand which pattern you're using, why you want to use it, what exactly you're trying to do to make sure that your project is successful. So listeners, we hope that you enjoyed this podcast and we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.